Weirdo Weirdo Bookworms Unite! Unite. Do your reading tastes range from dystopian sci-fi to middle-grade fantasy? Dark psychological thrillers to gory body horror? From YA paranormal swords and sorcery? Extraterrestrials? Murder? Mayhem! And beyond! Then we want to share our love of reading with you. Welcome home. Hey, genre junkies, it's Sandra. And this is Scott. We promised you we'd sneak in another one before the end of the year, best of. We have so many to do to catch up, we just can't wait two weeks. We have such sights to show you, as the Cenobites would say. (laughs) Um, Still recovering. Yep. Still a little froggy, still a little coffee. I'm doing my absolute best at editing to make it as... uh, auditorially pleasing. Uh, pleasing to you as possible. Yeah. I don't know if that's really a phrase or a word, <laughs> but I think you get right. the point. So yeah, I'm working, we're working very hard both on this end with both of us talking and then um, in editing to make it not sound like you're listening to a couple of snot monsters. To, to like two hella sick people. <laughs> <laughs> and not in a good way. Not how we normally say hella sick in California. Um, yeah, so once again, Scott will be doing probably a little bit more of the intro-y stuff because I'm kind of wheezy. Like I have a wheeze and I sound like a squeaky toy that's broken. Um, so tonight we are talking about Uncle Stevie's latest book, Fairy Tale. Of course, for the unindoctrinated, Uncle Stevie is Stephen King. Um, And I will just preface by saying that I have historically not been a very big fan of Stephen King's writing. You've barely read Stephen King, though. This is your first cover to cover Stephen King novel. That is not true. What was? Uh, My first first cover to cover was Gunslinger. Oh, that's right. And then the second book I read cover to cover. And then I have, you know... I have DNF'd a few other Stephen King books, but um, we'll get into that. Okay, so looking at the big picture, Stephen King is one of my heroes. I am a constant reader. Um, Love, you know, ride or die for Uncle Stevie for my whole life. So it is a little bit like Scott has... Not a ton of experience with Stephen King. I think is fair to say. That no, Let's to- that's that totally way. fair to say. I have not. I have not um, punished myself enough to force myself to finish some of his books. Wow. I'm sorry. Fuck I'm sorry. You. Um, <laughs> normally, we're cool to disagree, but I'm not enjoying this line of questioning. <laughs> Um, Scott, could you turn on our fairy lights? I think we need fairy lights for fairy tale. Ooh, that is a great idea. Do-do. They're on. They're on. All right. So this should be very, very interesting as we discuss fairy tale. Um, it's totally fine if you or other people or Scott or anybody doesn't like Stephen King. It's totally fine. It's just, you know, it's really hard sometimes when it's an author who you love and you're like, but don't you see? Like, don't you see what I see? <laughs> And that's, um, but Scott appreciates and respects my love of Stephen King. And he, I would say you have a fondness for King. For sure. And and, and you die for his son. You know, and it's, and it's, <laughs> I would die for his son. Joke, and it's joke. fair to say, I really like Stephen King's stories. Like concept? Yeah. Like there are many Stephen King uh, movies mm. that I really enjoy. Um, the concepts and the ideas behind a lot of his stories are are great. It's just his writing style that I have very often bounced off of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He has a very specific, unique to him writing style. Yes. That, I mean, doesn't work for everyone. Right. 
All right, there you have it. So, Scott, why don't you tell us about Fairy Tale? Oh, and as always, this will be spoiler free, yep. and then we'll talk about spoilers. Um, we'll give you a big warning and a little break in between. Might be a little bit of a long spoiler section, too. <laughs> hey, long book. Charlie Reed looks like a regular high school kid, great at baseball and football, a decent student, but he carries a heavy load. His mom was killed in a hit-and-run accident when he was seven, and grief drove his dad to drink. Charlie learned how to take care of himself and his dad. When Charlie is 17, he meets a dog named Radar and her aging master, Howard Bowditch, a recluse in a big house at the top of Big Hill with a locked shed in the backyard. Sometimes strange sounds emerge from it. Charlie starts doing jobs for Mr. Bowditch and loses his heart to Radar. Then, when Bowditch dies, he leaves Charlie a cassette tape telling a story no one would believe. What Bowditch knows and has kept secret all his long life is that inside the shed is a portal to another world. Uh, while Scott was reading the introduction, our cat was <laughs> just eating biscuits for like the whole time. It was very soothing. It was very cute. Sorry, not cat. Pulling producer. a lot of attention. Not cat producer, podcast producer. That stitches. might have to go on Instagram. Not that we post there very often anymore. Ugh, we're just tired. I'm just tired. Social that. media sucks. You know, I know a lot of people have said this, but like, you know, we're millennials and we're, we've been on the like social medias and the internet since we were like teens, like young teens. Uh-huh. And I'm just kind of a little over it. Over it. Like <laughs> not so much like over it, but like small doses. Like I go on small doses. Yeah. Cause we, thing- I mean, cause we've done the MySpace. We were like on Friendster. We did all this and and the blogs and all of it man the only thing i find myself on these days more than i really should is reddit <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're reading which is <laughs> which is also a toxic place but for some reason it's just not it's not the same it's not the same okay there's that that's why we're not on the internet as much as we should be okay let me start the predictable one the one who's the you know huge lifelong fantasy the one that we could literally you know make a fortune taking bets on what your score would be yeah right Mm -hmm. and that's not to say that i love everything stephen king has ever wrote equally of course there's peaks and valleys and and things you like and all that like you like you do so i got this book i think it was it was very it was the week it came out i bought it at lax at the airport, and then proceeded to carry it in the middle seat of a compacted plane for almost six hours. It was between two men and strange men, men I didn't know. If that doesn't show you how much I love Stephen King, <laughs> what what will? Um, I think this book counts as a carry-on item. <laughs> like, yeah. that is your carry-on item. And I had so many books with me, because I didn't know what I was going to want to read on this long flight. And you know the little pouch in front of you on the plane, and it says, don't, stop, this is for literature only? Well, I said, <laughs> um, I was like, well, f*** you, this is literature, and I stuffed all my books in it, <laughs> except for this one that I had to hold. And I could see my neighbors were looking at me, and I'm like, yeah, I'm a bad bitch. I'm a book baddie. <laughs> book baddies carry all the books they want. They put them wherever the F they want on this plane. So... I had just an absolute wonderful, obsessive um, experience with this book. Um, I found it so engaging and charming 
and special. And it really touched my heart in in ways that I just, I, I, so many of his works do touch my heart. I was not expecting to be so caught up as I was. Um, let me say this too. I have heard some people review this book or read or whatever, mm-hmm. um, who don't read or know Uncle Stevie very well. And what the reviewer had said is that there was so much there was so much exposition and I was just waiting for the exposition to be done and for the book to start. And I'm like, Oh, you don't get it. That's not how this works. We'll get into that. Yeah. But that's not how this book and, you know, I would argue other things by him works. Part of Stephen King's beauty is in the everyday and everyday people and everyday life and minutia and the things that make up life. And I, I feel and others feel that he captures that very, very, very well in a way other writers would love to and aspire to, but they don't. So yeah, this book is not like, okay, let's just get straight into the fantasy. It's like, no, no, no. We're telling a story here. Um, Yeah, just, and of course that whole part before we even get to the fantasy world was my favorite, hands down. I oof, loved it. Well, okay. Let me, I, I would like to go into all of that in just a moment. Yes, I, we need to hear your experience. This book is an obsession. You What? This book is an obsession. What? I feel like I have leveled up on Stephen King. I understand things about Stephen King that I didn't realize before. Alert the media. Uh, there are, there is such a beauty to the way that he constructed this book and constructed this story. I feel like Stephen King, something I didn't realize about him, and I'm not always, to be fair, prepared to get into when I'm reading a single book, but is that he puts a trilogy's worth of world building, character building, and story building in a single book, which makes the book about a trilogy's length, but not <laughs> but quite. I digress. Yes. Um, but where in a trilogy, you know, you kind of have like the classic trilogy kind of you have the first story, which is a whole setup and is kind of which is it very much has to be in the world. And then the next one is just a continuation of the story and so forth and so on. King seems to relish in creating the groundwork of a character and world in as long as it takes him before, you know, to, to lay the groundwork for the story that he's looking to tell. Mm. This book, as as you've alluded to, and I don't feel like this is spoilery, no. is is unofficially told in two parts. There is before Charlie goes on his fairy tale adventure, and there's Charlie's fairy tale adventure. And that before, yes, if you if you are not getting into it feels like exposition, but it's not. No, it's, it's not. a beautiful story uh, with beautiful characters and and meaning tied to it all in and of itself. It itself is a book that I found myself invested in. Right. In a way that was unique to even just other books recently. Um, it's a beautiful book. <laughs> I think if you have never gotten into Stephen King, I can tell you right now, this is the book. This is the book to read. Yeah, this mass. is the book. This mass. Yeah, mass appeal. It, oh yeah. Okay, sure. You're right. We'll we'll jump to that real quick. This is a mass appeal book. It just, it really is. It is very long. It is an undertaking. I will go ahead and tell you. I read seventy five percent of this book on audiobook, mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, what was that like? Tell us about the audiobook. The audiobook 
is brilliant. Ooh. Brilliant. So uh, there are there are two people who uh, have vo- who voice in the book uh, for the most part. Um, it is done by uh, by a voice actor named Seth Numerick, hmm. who I- I'm not familiar with their work, but has incredible voice actor chops. Hmm. Every character has their own unique voice to the point where sometimes you really think it might be a different person speaking that voice. Um, he speaks at a pace that even at, at one X, which I don't normally listen to, yeah. is engaging and exciting. Um, but also translates incredibly well at my normal 1.3 to 1.4x listening speed. Um, again, King's words automatically kind of translate pretty well to a very flowery uh, oral telling. Um, but add in the voices that, that he brings to this is just out, absolutely outstanding. And then there's also a cameo by Uncle Stevie himself. Oh my God, what? Yes, and it is really fun. It's really fun. And I didn't know it at the time. And I'm listening to him I'm like, wait, that's not the same. That is absolutely not the same voice. Is that Stephen King? Uncle Stevie, what are you doing? You're so sneaky. <laughs> um, it's really good. I I read, I, I finished the book on the page. Uh-huh. I'm and, and it's very good on the page. And uh, you read like, what, like the last few chapters? Probably the last probably the last i don't know um fifth of it okay. of the book um and i think sandra will talk about this too the illustrations ah. the 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 speckling on the paper yeah. itself beautifully beautifully made book um i really kind of missed the audiobook telling because it was so beautifully done um wow, interesting if- well that's good i mean i guess it's like no matter if you listen to it or you read it, you're getting a really um, immersive um, experience, oh, I, sure. I guess is a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a beautiful illustration at the top of every chapter. And I love the chapter names, too. That, okay, there's a really creative thing that he does where there's chapters and subchapters, right? Mm-hmm. Um at the top of the chapter, he names all of the subchapters. <laughs> it's so like, you get a little yeah. bit of of of. I, um, it's like saying like we find the boat, we get on the boat, we travel, but it's not like that. Something it, happens on the boat, yeah, and it's like oh, so you kind of know what to expect, which is kind of fun. But sometimes they're like really kind of wild. Yes. Too. <laughs> so you're like, wait, we're gonna do what in this chapter? And um, it feels very like when I was a small child reading Treasure Island. It feels like that to me. I can't quite describe it, but where it's like, you better get ready, reader, because this is some adventurous stuff happening in this chapter. It has a pulpiness to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it kind of like, you know, this is like almost like every chapter is almost like the, the next the next episode in this pulp series. Yeah. Um, for me, I, and we'll talk about it in the spoilers section, there was only a small part where in this book that's like 608 pages, there was only a small part that um, got a little draggy for me. But otherwise, I was very well engaged for this entire book. Interesting. I will be very interested to hear what that is in the spoiler section because I will just go ahead and tell you there was a point in this book that I did uh, step away from it for about a week or so, not because of... Not because of anything the book did or, or or losing interest, just because, you know, it it's just the way that it worked out. But there was no point in this book that I felt it dragged. 
Yeah, and and when I say draggy, well, we'll, we'll get into. It. I know, but I'm just kind of I'm very I'm very pleased with a book that is so long that I really didn't feel like I was bogged down at any point in in the reading. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think it's fair to discuss in the non spoiler section. Um, people who have read Stephen King um, and kind of have an expectation for his writing. I think I think we should talk about how this may differ from his other writings. Um, yeah, I mean, I can certainly try. I would say, well, first of all, there's always going to be a tinge of horror. Yes. But it is definitely fantasy. And one thing that's really cool about this fantasy world is it's very reminiscent of tales of old yet at the same time it's super original very original yes yeah so that's going to be kind of different if maybe you've only you know read a couple stephen king's horror books you you might not be expecting that so i would i would agree that this reads very strictly as fantasy and some fantasy stories are you know fairly brutal bloody we like dark fantasy scary here. in a lot of ways and this is a dark fantasy um but there's there is actually i i don't feel that there is very much true horror in this no it's just a little tinge just a little tinge i mean obviously he writes scary situations very well he's stephen king it's yeah. kind of what he's he's you know made his career off of. and, and there's horror in the real worldness that yeah. our characters have to go through and that's um something a lot of people associate with stephen king it's not just the supernatural horror the evil that that lies in men's hearts but just in living life the ups and downs the kind of everyday horror um one of the aspects of this book that i found very very poignant something that um is really big in Scott and I's lives <laughs> um, in mm-hmm. different ways is the theme of alcoholism. It's not super, super stretched out talking about it through the whole book, but it's an important part of several of our characters' developments. And, and that's it's always in, a shadow hanging over Charlie's. And that's head in the description in way, too, you know? if yeah. you remember. Yes, yeah, so that's uh, not a spoiler. I, it's it's something that is that that shapes that shapes the characters in this novel in a way that alcoholism shapes, I think, our own personalities in life. I don't want to talk too much about the characters because that's a great thing to go into depth in. But if you like animals, we got an animal. We got radar. We got radar. The maybe my my new favorite my new favorite uh literary dog heroine princess. Yeah, she kind of is a warrior princess. She's lovely. It's great. And you can tell how much Stephen King loves dogs. Of course, it's a bummer that it's not the Corgis. Molly, the thing of evil would be great here, but. (laughs) All right. So, I mean, I guess that's, we're going to kind of leave it around there. I think, I think um, if we haven't sold it hard enough to you, um, we maybe have done a disservice. This book is long. This -hmm. book is worth every page. Um, I, I, it is beautifully written it is a really great story it is both meaningful and fun mm-hmm. um and i i really i think that this spans the range of all of our genre junkies and you should pick this book up Ooh, i love it yeah stephen king pours his heart into this book and it's a very rewarding experience all right everybody we're gonna go talk about spoilers for this book as always, this is a little bit of a, of a 
an altar call to read it because they are going to adapt it in some way. Hollywood is. It's like already been sold. I don't know if it's going to be a TV show, movie, miniseries, what it is. But it's going to be something. So you got to read it. Read it, audiobook, Kindle, something. Uh, get get to it because you want to be in on the ground floor when the adaptation drops, whenever that is. Is this week number two that I'm going to be the curmudgeon and say that I don't really want to see this on screen? What, am I just getting old and grumpy and becoming one of those people? Am I getting? Am I turning into? Am I turning into somebody like that? Mr. Is that what's happening? Not, am I turning into a Mr. Bowditch? <laughs> hey, bookworm buddy. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're at it, find us on Instagram at Genre Junkies. It's the spoiler section. Where all the spoiler gloves are off and we get to talk about this book. And hopefully you've read it too. Okay, let's talk about Charlie. So, if I may? Yes. So, Charlie, um, you know, he's a 17-year-old boy. And I would say that this is... um. This this was I was very happy with Stephen King's contemporary teenagery voice here. Mm. I think he's been listening to the grandkids or something, and it you know there's not a lot of the what is that my fellow teens. There's one. There well, there's is a one. little. There's a little. <laughs> but um, I'm not saying it's not perfect, but it's pretty good. And I think part of what makes um you know this voice work for Charlie is Charlie is somebody who, yeah, he's 17 and he's a kid and sometimes he's naive and makes mistakes and is, you know, a little immature and whatever, but he's also an incredibly mature person for his age because of things he's had to go through. And um, he has a mission. He has a purpose. And that is basically to repay this debt he feels he owes for his father's sobriety. And so this makes Charlie a very interesting voice where he's at once a kid and at once also a very mature kid. And he's also funny. He is very funny. I I love Charlie. I feel so bad for Charlie because he did have to grow up very fast and, you know, did some horrible things to, in rebellion to that to that feeling. I really appreciate the way that Stephen King approached certain um, certain realities when it comes to you know personality traits that can be picked up by people who have um, you know a history of alcoholism. He's forced to become a caretaker. Exactly. Yeah. And I appreciate how how King introduced the idea of being a caretaker, and Charlie didn't necessarily subscribe to that because Charlie wouldn't necessarily subscribe to that. But Charlie still was able to explain what they kind of thought was going on with Charlie, which is. And I appreciate that, right? I thought that was a really good way to do it, um, as opposed to Charlie just being completely put together at some points, being like, well, and you know, I have a caretaker complex. and <laughs> I have you, Right? Yeah, I would not have read realistic or um so i am not your typical person who's been through a rock bottom crash and such with alcoholism it's a whole other podcast but i have a relationship with it we we're and scott is adjacent to it where i am a sober person and reading about sober people is it like electrifies me it makes me feel so loved, listened, heard, 
part of a community. Um, you know, his dad f***ed up, but he's not a bad person. Right. And he's not a bad dad. And he gets it back together. And I think that message is incredibly important for people to hear. It is important that there is light at the end of the tunnel and you can be, you can be, you can move on and even be forgiven. You can thrive. Uh, exactly. But at the same time, it's also really powerful and poignant that there's that Every time Charlie makes a decision about leaving, about about doing anything, really, he always has to think, will this make my dad start drinking again? Yeah. Every single decision he makes through the book, he comes back to his father and thinks, will he start drinking again? He's got a- um, fear will always be there. The fear will always be there. There's a certain amount of trust he's got to extend a little- Faith, trust, and pixie dust, as we say in the Disney world, right? Um, and so then also, so Charlie has to go through hell in the fantasy world. So in the dungeon was parts of where um, I struggled a little bit with this book, with just yeah. kind of feeling like it was a little, okay, I want to kind of pick up the pace here. That was the only part of that for me. But even then, there was still a lot of really great stuff mm -hmm. that happened, and how he rises up to be the gladiator and leader of the people. I thought that that was going to be the part you were going to say as well. And on the one hand, I don't feel like it dragged for me there. On the other hand, that is the point when I stepped away from the book for a while, and it and it, you know it took me a week, week and a half to like get back into the book. Our characters in the abyss—that's hard. Yeah, it, yes, it kind of reminded me <laughs> of the second book in um, the Sword of Truth series. Oh no, where it's like very good kind. Where it's like this isn't really where I kind of expected things to go but okay <laughs> oh and of course as always we talk about terry good kind that is not that is not explicit recommendation <laughs> well we have a complicated relationship with terry and also rest in power terry good kind you, you, you did some things <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you existed on this planet <laughs> no, no don't I'm, kidding. I'm, dare. Kidding. I'm kidding the hours you've invested in that man oh, yes i know the hours I <laughs> um and so then, after all this, he does this. He's incredibly brave. He does brave things in the fantasy world. He takes care of Mr. Bowditch, and he genuinely loves him. All of this. Then we get the immense reward of meeting Charlie as an adult. I was not expecting that happy end. I was very emotional, and because he feels like he's my brother or something. He really does kind of feel like he's become part of the family. Like, he's like everybody's big brother. And, you know, I guess, and part of that, again, is I think it's not it's not so much because of the time that he spent in the fantasy world. It's because of the time he spent with Mr. Bowditch. Absolutely. That, I mean, that move, that, that, that movie, that the first half of the book is all of that. Yeah. And it is not exposition. No. Nope. It is its own story. Yeah. That story, I want to watch on on this on in, you know, in the theater or it's so on beautiful. Netflix. Sorry, Neil. Um, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Unfold. It's the stand by me of this story, mm -hmm. right? It's it's the human portion. It's the non fantastical, wonderful portion. And there's there's darkness and there's there's um, difficulty and you know there's you know there's there's really hard parts 
in that. If you've ever had to take care of, of an aging loved one, um, it's difficult to get through at times because of that. But his humanity and gotta love a grumpy old man and mr bowditch is just kind of creates a little bit of a kind of kind of that that say, that feeling for me where he's like he's kind of i mean he's kind of a dick frankly but kinda, yeah but it's kind of fun let's you know kind of he, um kind of also then talk about mr bowditch um i love him so much <laughs> I love him. He's a very interesting person. He's a person who's lived a extraordinarily long life. Mm-hmm. He is somebody who has made mistakes and has not forgiven himself for the cowardice that he he abandoned people in need. And his relationship with Charlie is redemptive and lovely. Charlie and his dad. And of course, also Radar. He loves Radar so much. Radar is his humanity. Yes. I mean, truly, the radar is the only reason he still has his humanity and is very, it's a very powerful bonding experience for the two of them. Um, Bowditch reminds me so much of so many, like, <laughs> like that, that Korean war, war vet attitude. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. We mean that with love. I mean that with love. I mean that as like, as like my dad, who was a Korean war, war vet. vet. Yeah. You know, there's this curmudgeonly, I don't need help from anyone attitude. I don't, I, and get off of my lawn kind but of. Then they have this soft underbelly. Mm-hmm. They don't show it very often, but when they do, it's like they're just little soft little creatures like all of us. F- fuzzy little fuzzy little loves. Exactly. Um, yeah, really lovely written character. Fuzzy little loves. There was something about the whole plot around the gold and the gold pellets that I loved. I loved discovering about the gold, trying to figure out about the gold. I loved the evil guys in the gold. That was so piratey adventure to me. I love that we learned that to let go of the greed. Mm-hmm. I loved everything circling the gold because gold is huge in fairy tale stories. It's it is it's very much a central crux to a lot of it. I like it in that whole section of you know of Charlie discovering the gold and and you know everything that happens before he really finds the the fantasy world as like a bridge of a song, right? Mm. It it is it's the part that connects. Two parts that don't necessarily sound that are not necessarily sound the same in a song. Yeah, but it connects the two to make one cohesive story. It's like the bridge. Okay, this is this part is not fantastical yet, but it is definitely more elevated and less less um every day every day. And so it kind of works to escalate and and just work as an on ramp to get into this highly fantastical. You know, situation. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. Same thing with the sounds in the shed and Bowditch going out there one time and dealing with it. It's foreshadowing. Oh, let's talk about as people who love fantasy and love portal fantasy. This is not quite portal, but it it kind of is. It's kind of a Narnia because I think it counts as portal fantasy. You go into this shed. Of course, it was built around the area and just down, 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 down you go and through the oversized creatures. And then you're in this whole other world. It's so, it's so lovely because that's the warm, comforting hug of those stories that we know. And there's, 
there's um there's actually kind of a tie for me. This is just kind of a fun little thing, but the way that the way that the fantasy world is described, especially in the be- in the beginning, right, where everything is gray and you don't never see the sun and there's all these clouds, you know, it reminded me of the Moors, yeah, in the Wayward Children series, and so it was like I I kind of was able to make a connection in my head of this like of this kind of world, more fantasy clearly right right and i think he even says that it's oz like i mean there's so many so many it's little, the emerald city right yeah there's so many things that happened in charlie's journey that he's like this is a lot like this fairy tale this is a lot like this fantasy story and it kind of makes you think that it's like maybe these other people have been there maybe they've been there but i also like the the kind of theory that the book comes to is it's not even necessarily that they've been there it's just these stories bleed through yeah right and the and, stories are universal almost and then he becomes kind of an expert folklorist or whatever right? at the end, which is really cool which is a really neat ending for really neat ending for charlie what do you think about the people becoming blobby in this world so it was it was terrifying. Um, Did it remind you of David Copperfield cartoon? Oh my god, the cheesy cheese cheese monsters, whatever they turn. Oh my god, if no, you know, you know, no, you but know, you now, know. yes, yeah. no, ooh, ooh. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 funny. The fact that it was written by Stephen King is actually just. I, I shouldn't even say not the way that it was written. But the knowledge of it being written by Stephen King mm-hmm. made them more creepy to me. Yeah. Because I know what King can visualize. Yes. And so knowing, I almost feel like he was restraining himself. He was holding back. Because I can only imagine the way that he really pictured it. How did we like the gaslights and the automobile and all these kind of wild things all mixed together with swords and gold? There's a little bit of steampunkiness to it. Yeah, it's such a mash. Yes. Oh my God, was your favorite the lady that yells all the time and she was like on her try? Claudia. Claudia. She is so goddamn yes. funny. So, not <laughs> Claudia is my favorite for two reasons. First of all, great, great character. Second of all, the reading in the audiobook is hilarious. Oh my God. Hilarious. Surely. <laughs> oh my God, you just scared the cat. So funny. So funny. <laughs> um yeah i love everybody we meet over there i love our shoe lady i love everybody well there was actually something about 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 the um the royalty that i didn't catch until the very end when charlie actually referred to them as uh the three little monarchs or the three little no the three little um three little something i can't uh-huh. remember what the word to use but yeah they were the three little pigs yeah um they were also kind of the three you know the three monkeys hear no evil, see no yeah. evil, speak no evil. I thought that was a cool like combination of of ideas there. That was neat. I've certainly never met a character that speaks through a horse. <laughs> I you know I liked their romance. Me too. I thought it was cute. It was it was a really nice uh, fantasy kind of thing. Like yes, it is. It is a little bit unnatural how quickly they fall in love with each other. But it's a fairy tale. But it's a fairy tale, and it's okay. Um, I really liked that. So Princess, quote unquote, Leah Leia. <laughs> 
Um, I liked that she really wanted to stand by her brother, the flight killer. Cool name, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I really admired that because I didn't want her to be like some completely naive princess or who just believes everybody. But this was somebody she loved very dearly and she was holding out hope till the end. I don't know. As somebody, you know, we talk about this a lot and she's been on the show a lot, very close to my sister. And there's something about that sibling relationship. I don't know. It just, it was very poignant to me. I think it's also a very powerful allegory in talking about substance abuse and people in your lives who hurt you. Yes. You know, we talked a lot about how Charlie's father shows the side of redemption and forgiveness. Um, but the other the other side of it is, you know, standing by and defending someone yeah. who who continues to hurt you and hurt other people. Yes. And that is her relationship with her brother, the flight killer. And I think that's a really interesting allegory and comparison. Kind of bridging in, the in that Exactly. Yeah. And and I think it was really important because, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it added depth to her character and added depth to the story, this whole, um, you know, kind of theme. Uh, the other bad guy, the one that's like the general. Oh, the Lord High? God, he's horrifying. He is horrifying. Um, I will just say again in the audiobook, the voice for all of all of them, but especially the Lord High, is terrifying. Ugh. It's descri- I mean, their their voice is described in the book, right? You know, as this kind of like hiss, as this kind of buzziness. Yeah. That is the voice that he brings to it in the audiobook, and it is terrifying. Ooh. And he looks And you just hate you you just hate him. Oh my god, I hate him. I hate him so much. Um, one part that I thought was cool, I mean, again, it's the whole part in the dungeon is all very important. Um, and builds the story. So it's not like I hated that part. There was just some parts of it were a little slower than I would have liked. I love the camaraderie that forms and it feels very organic between him and his cellies. I appreciate him having a, a kind of a coterie, right? Yeah. A family. I mean, he love he he immediately loves and appreciates Dora, right? Yeah. Um well, how couldn't you? He obviously falls in love with Princess Leah. Um and who who can't find Claudia endearing? <laughs> And Woody is just kind of a cool old man kind of thing. Yeah, he's right? just a sweet kind of mentor. But they're but they are all kind of like stops along the way, people who help them. Whereas the prisoners are kind of become his family and they're the ones who really shape him. And nobody gets left behind. Nobody gets left behind. And so not only do they support him, but he learns to actually support them. Yeah. Um, and it and it makes it relevant to him, not just oh he's doing this for the princess. Yeah, he's doing it for everyone. Yeah. Um, I can't, you know, that part is necessary to have Prince Char have Charlie become Prince Charlie. Yeah. Um, I don't know of a, of another better way to do it because you know I think it was important for Charlie to go through some pretty abyssal stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like. You know, killing people and 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 accepting the fact that he, as much as he'd like to say he didn't want to do it, as much as he'd like to say he didn't enjoy doing it, accepting the fact that those things were not true and that there's a darkness in everyone. That's always a theme in our books with Uncle Stevie. Um. So then, of course, we make it. We make it out. I love that he takes Dad there. 
Yeah. I thought that was very important because he and dad, he did have to do some subterfuge, but they have a relationship of trust. Mm -hmm. And it was really important for him to take dad there. And then he can also understand, well, this is real. And that's why Radar is going to live with me for a long time. For a lot longer than we thought. Which is really sweet that Radar and dad and, you know, we're all close. I appreciate the way you put that because I, I wasn't able to put my finger on exactly why it was so important to me yeah. that he did tell his dad the truth about where he was. But I think that that's really that really is where it is, is that their relationship has to be built on trust. Yeah. It has to be. That's that's kind of the whole that's kind of the whole kit and caboodle when it comes to, you know, the twelve step process, which is, you know, this book leans pretty heavily into, but I think I, I, I happen to agree with that that part of it too. There has to be trust and openness and honesty. And And then his dad sees it and he's like, Yeah, we can never we have to protect this place. But he 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 and he trusts Charlie and his opinion on that too. Yeah. Uh so how But of course just, it broke oh. my, of course it broke my heart to know that he's right there and he's looking at Dora's house and isn't going to say hello Dora. It, I would die for Dora. Wonderful. I would I would die for that for the shoemaker. For the shoe woman. Um so a shoe. So I finished this book when you were gone and I was alone. Which time? <laughs> and I I mean, it it melted me. I turned into a puddle and I cried and I was sad that it was over. And I was so satisfied with the book. Um, yeah. It, and I was like, and I'm alone. I'm alone. Um, and when I finished the book, I was in a different room from Sandra. And I sent her a text and said, I'll be down in a minute when I'm done crying. <laughs> It's a good book cry. It is a book. It's a good book cry. It is a good book cry. Um, it's wrapped up beautifully. Um, um what more can I say? What more can I say? Ten gold pellets out of ten. An absolutely wonderful, poignant, beautiful book that took me away from life and made me happy and made me feel all the things. Um wonderful escapism but at the same time really spoke to my heart and just felt so so important oh thanks uncle stevie this is this is a home run uh i am giving this 10 gold nuggets out of 10 i'm giving the audiobook 11 out of 10 um this book is just beautiful outstanding i am going to think of this book a lot this is going up this is like you know there's 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 three kind of tiers of books, right? There's books that I've read and enjoyed. There's books that I read and loved. And there's books that are like, this goes on the bookshelf, like the shelf mm. with like, you know, maybe nine other books. Right. This is one of those books. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. It's powerful. I, I love it. I cherish it. I will defend it. Uh, that video that you, I know one of those videos of someone reviewing this book and was talking about it being just all exposition in the first half. I, I couldn't say anything at the time. I didn't want to say anything at the time, but I was, I was hard agreeing with you that, that, that You're reviewer wrong. was just wrong, was just wrong. Read that, that, that first half when written just as a beautiful story in its own is a beautiful story in its own. Let's not be in such a rush in life. Right. And I will accept that perhaps there are other Stephen King books that I may have to go back to now understanding mm. what it is. I still... I'll take that. Yeah. 
Um, I, 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 I understand a little bit more where he's coming from and I appreciate a little bit more where he's coming from. I'd say that's a win. We'll take that win. We're going to take the W. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sandra. I'm Scott. Please keep reading past your bedtime. Thank you.